Hey, this is Jeff Cooper, and you're listening to Catholic versus Atheist. So if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you believe, and how you came to believe what you believe. Sure, sure, great. Um, yeah, I'm uh, Jeff Cooper. I'm a father of two. I'm a paramedic, and I've been in that field uh, 10 or 11 years as a medic. I was an EMT for five or six years before that, and uh, many, many moons before that, I was a uh, volunteer firefighter when I was much, much younger. As far as what I believe, I really don't believe much. You know, I have uh, I have never met a God that I had, you know, that could be shown to be true. It uh, all seems like bunk and culture myths to me. And, you know, the reason I came to believe that is because of the failure of the religious to prove their case. What kind of family were you raised in? Was there any exposure to God or religion can you just talk a little bit about the atmosphere growing up? Yeah, yeah, sure. I grew up in um, in the suburbs of New York City in the uh, 1970s and 1980s. My parents both identified as Methodist, but didn't really. I, I remember when we started going to church, and um, that was as a uh, condition of a loan that she received from my great grandparents. So, you know, it was like, yeah, you know, we'll give you the money so that you can keep the house, but you've got to take those kids to church. So, um, and it just so happened to be the church where the Al-Anon uh, meetings were held. So we got dragged into that in the uh, standard attire of the decade, a lot of uh, vomit brown, green and corduroy, like on purpose. And, um, you know, we went from the time I was about six or seven, maybe eight, to the time I was maybe 13 or 14. And that, that was about that. It, it was interesting to me to go to church and to hear the, uh, because the kids, they don't get, they don't get the real deal, you know, with capital letters and everything. You know what I mean? I mean, they have like the Sunday school indoctrination centers for the, for the munchkins. You know, they tell the stories of Noah, the story of the Baptist dude, the, the story of the, uh, the Easter story and all that. You know, and that and that was interesting to me because you know at the time that we got there, uh, we're going to have to back up a little bit. I, I mean, I was I was very very sick as a child. I was often in hospital, and part of the reason that we got the loan in the first place was to get into a new house because the apartment that we grew up in it was like an old farmhouse that was converted into apartments, and it was kind of shady and kind of had a lot of mold, and it sent me into a lot of asthma attacks and things like that. So I spent a lot of time in hospital as a kid. And in hospital, there's really not all that much to do when you're sitting in an oxygen tent, which was a thing back then, rather than do crossword puzzles, build models and read. And the thing is, is I had already learned how to read by the time I got dragged to church and I'd already read the culture myths of other cultures. You know, I liked the stories of the Greeks and the Norse mythos. I thought that uh, the silver handed uh, tear. I thought he was really cool. I thought Loki was kind of cool. So when we got to church, it was like, oh, well, here's the Jewish culture myths, you know, and that's really what I looked at him as. I was very surprised to find out, you know, as I was growing up, I was very surprised to find out that people actually thought that was real. That, that, that was very confusing to me. Uh, my best friends, uh, now I understand you're Catholic. I mean, that's the title of the channel and all that. 
my best friend, uh, Bobby, you know, I would sleep over at his house sometimes. And I like to sleep over on Friday nights because then we could wake up Saturday and then we can go, you know, play army men and, you know, go running around and doing young boy stuff. But sometimes I had to sleep over on Saturday nights. And sometimes when I slept over on Saturday nights, his family would drag me to church with them. You know, and that um, that was always interesting because I never understood what the hell I was supposed to be doing there because the Catholics. I mean, it was like uh, it was like going to gym class, man. You got to stand up, sit down, kneel, you know, clap your hands twice. Simon didn't say, you know, whoops, Simon didn't say you're going to hell. You know, I mean, it, it, it was it was confusing to me. It was very confusing. So when I found out that actual grown up people that could, you know, drive cars and buy beer and vote and were in charge of, you know, classrooms and stuff like that actually believed these culture myths to be true. That was, that was mind blowing for me. That was absolutely mind blowing. Still is. Are you one of the people that commented on Aaron Raw's video? And if so, what sort of comments did you make and what sort of silly reply did I give you? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I, I remember when you called into the atheist experience. I remember that distinctly because that was uh, the episode that aired on my birthday. And you posted a video from that, and then you posted the one with Thorin. And you know, the uh, discussion that you and I had on there was somewhat antagonistic because you were saying that you, unlike atheists, affirm that you have both free will and reason, even though the type of libertarian free will that you were advocating for in your video with Arn had been quite easily refuted and you didn't really have responses to that. And I called you out on it and we had a kind of back and forth on that. And my main sticking point was, you know, your definition of what humanity is does not comport with reality. When, when it comes to the concept of free will, what is your take on that? How does that work? Not 100% hard determined. That's my definition of free will. So some things that you think, say, and do are not 100% hard determined by the laws of nature. That's all that I mean. Okay. And how does that track with your deity? Because my understanding of your deity, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's like um, Carl Sagan's view of the cosmos. All that is, was, and ever shall be, he already knows. Is that is that, uh, is that about right? I mean, I can't do anything that's going to surprise your God, right? Yeah. Just because God knows what I'm going to do doesn't mean that he is the cause of what I'm going to do. Just like I know what you're going to do when I'm done speaking, you're going to speak. But I'm not causing you to speak. So can there be moral agency and personal responsibility if hard determinism is the case if hard determinism is true then it would stand to reason that what i choose to say in response to this i really could not say otherwise because of an infinite number of factors that went into that decision being made I do, however, think that there is a threshold where it can be overridden, where you would be normally compelled to do something, but choose to do otherwise, or not even so much choose to do otherwise, but not choose to do that, which I think are two different things. I mean, you would agree that that's two different things, right? Yeah, it doesn't really matter because that's just a different set of constraints. It's, it's, but you're still stuck with constraints. No, you, you have the the option to exert that or not. I know, but your choice to exert it is determined. No, it has been shown through these studies 
that there is a threshold, I want to say less than 200 milliseconds. So you have about, you know, 0.2 of a second to, to override that, you know, that split decision, you know, where you have the choice to swerve left to avoid the accident or jam on the brakes. Yeah. But when you make that what you would consider a free choice to go left or to go right, if you had the technology to zoom in on that free choice, the mechanism of that free choice, what you're calling a free choice, if you were to zoom in on it, do you think that you would find a violation of any of the laws of physics or biochemistry or any other natural laws? Or do you think that this mechanism of so-called free will obeys the laws of nature? I don't see any circumstance where the laws of physics or biology could be violated because if the world around us suddenly stops acting like the world around us, okay, then we have a new phenomenon that we don't understand. So we would have to go in and analyze that and look at that and figure out what it is, how it does, what it does, what is the mechanism by which this occurs, what is the cause, what is the effect. This falls into what you were calling determinism is completely antithetical to what you were calling free will. So be it. I'm okay with that because I don't see how you were going to reasonably appeal to anything to refute this. Well, the refutation is in the fact that you're free, and you've just admitted that the mechanism behind your so-called free will is 100% hard determined by the laws of nature. Nothing escapes. So if the scientist were to zoom in on that 0.2 second freedom mechanism, we know with 100% certainty that the scientist, as a scientist, will never ever stop and just say there is no cause for this effect. They will always, always assume that there is a sufficient reason for every effect that they see in the laboratory. As our technology improves, we are able to go deeper and deeper and deeper into finer and finer resolution to examine these mechanisms in neuroscience or in any other science. So if you take two ingredients that you are very comfortable with, one ingredient is science, where we always say there's a sufficient reason for everything that we observe, and maybe we haven't discovered it yet, but we know it's there. That's what motivates us to keep looking for it, and that's why we have science in the first place. So when we combine that with the other principle, which is that everything is natural, we are left with hard determinism, and there is no free will, and therefore there is no possibility of morality or of personal responsibility or of love or of beauty, or of justice, or anything else? Nope. Stop. We are an evolved social species, and it is in the species' best interest to reward moral behavior and punish immoral behavior. Um, Beauty is entirely subjective upon the individual. It is, indeed, in the eye of the beholder. So your assertion that there is no beauty if everything is cause and effect is nonsensical. That there is no responsibility. Well, again, I think that ties into morality and ties into the social aspect of the species into which we have evolved. You know, we need other humans to survive. We have needed other humans to survive. We have created cultures and those cultures have created great works of art, great works of literature, and great stories. And some of those stories, like religions, are ones that you know we value very, very much. So you can still find beauty, you can still find morality, and you can still find these things, even though it is, as it appears, to be a completely natural world in which we live. 
so to answer my question, can there be moral responsibility, moral agency, if there is no freedom, if everything is hard determined? Can you be responsible? Can you be moral if you're not free? Just now that we've talked about it, what's your answer? If an individual engages in behaviors that detract from the overall societal health, then you know society is going to ostracize and punish and there will be consequences for that. So they're going to be punished. Right, but that's just the machine doing the machine thing. Every, every part of the machine is doing exactly what it has to do. There's no value to anything because everything is exactly what it has to be all the time. If you go to a vending machine and it takes your money and it doesn't give you the candy bar, you don't send the vending machine to prison and you don't send it to see a psychologist. You just bring in a mechanic to repair it. It's just a machine. And it's the same thing from your naturalistic, atheistic worldview. Everything is just a machine. It's a very delicate That's machine. Not what I said. You said that everything is natural. Is that what I said? Yes, you said that everything is natural and that there's a sufficient reason for everything that happens, right? Correct. That means there's no freedom. And I said that we have great works of art, of beauty, of literature, and these would be of moral worth. Where does the morality come in? Why do human machines go to prison and vending machines that are out of order get treated by a mechanic technician? Because we have developed the sufficient means to repair vending machines and place them back in service. We have not developed the sufficient you know, mechanics, if you will, to go into a human psyche and repair it to the point where it can be integrated in society. We have been working toward that, but we are not there yet. The fact that you are so excited about art and culture and morality and responsibility and love and justice and beauty is because you live in a world that has the supernatural, it has God, it has angels. It no. Has... Can, all right, please demonstrate where the supernatural is. Show me where it is. Your free will. No, it is nonsense because we have just determined that free will is not a thing because it is a natural world, according to what we had just said before, that it is a natural world and everything is cause and effect. And if it is cause and effect, then there is no free will. So you don't believe in free will, but do you sometimes fantasize that it might be nice to have free will? And what would free will be like? I don't know. I don't know what it would be like. I mean... I, that isn't something that I fantasize about. You know, I fantasize about... Uh, Hot chicks. Yeah, yeah, no, we can go with that. We can go with that. Like, is there like a free will porn hub? No. If you're going to come up with a fantasy, make it good. So, uh, <laughs> what are we doing here? So listen, uh, I do have to wrap things up, but at the end of my interviews, I ask my guests to give a little closing thought. So just to wrap up the show, what do you think you might be able to say to anyone that's out there listening now? Be who you are, do what you can, and, you know, get through your life. It's the only one you got. If you like your worldview, if you think it's swell, if you've got some questions, ask me and I'll tell. All you've got to do is ask. All you've got to do is ask.